Creeper Ronies, welcome to another episode of Spooky Skeptics. Tonight we are going to be discussing Dyatlov Pass, and with me I have two really fun and intelligent gentlemen. So we, I, I'm so excited about this. Please introduce yourself to my listeners, gentlemen. Okay, so because I'm new here. Uh, I don't think anybody ever said that. I'm a very gentle person, especially if anybody listened to my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, people know me as Vuk or Darwin from Tracing Owls podcast. Thank you for joining us tonight, Vuk. No I problem. really, really appreciate it. And of course, we have our super duper guest host. You know who you are. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Cole Harold here, uh, back once more to dive into the weird absolutely all right gentlemen so again we are doing Dyatlov Pass tonight which is a classic and you know you know how I feel about the classics like meh but (laughs) it's interesting and I thought with book here giving us the Eastern European perspective and also helping me pronounce some of these god-awful names because yeah not happening on this end (laughs) (laughs) I thought that might give us a little uh little edge on some of the other because i i you know every podcast has pretty much done an episode on mm-hmm. dialogue and but for various reasons it's interesting so i'm gonna um do a quick summary of the case here and then we will get into it so back in 1959 a group of nine hikers from ural polytechnical institute led by one eager igor is it Igor or Igor? I'm going to go Igor. back to the young Frankenstein here. It's Igor. <laughs> Is it Igor? Yeah. Igor, Igor Dyatlov. Yeah. Oh, see, you even have that. <laughs> mm, I can't make that sound. Died in unknown circumstances between February 1st and 2nd. Well, again, 1959. They were considered experienced trekkers, at least according to the reports that I've read, and were actually going for, I, I believe, what was considered their third certification Mm -hmm. and they had planned on getting through the pass in 24 hours and back. So they had uh, cashed up food and stuff and made a campsite. Unfortunately, they never made it back. Um, Recovered diaries and cameras have helped us to kind of be able to track what happened to them. But, you know, there's still a lot of mysteries to it. And as the years have gone by, they've opened more investigations and come up with various theories. And we'll get into that. So, as I said, they had cached, they had cached their food. and But the, unfortunately, due to weather, they had deviated off track, kind of west a westerly course towards the top of the mountain instead of through the pass. Um, once they realized their mistake, they decided to make their camp on the side of a mountain instead of going back down to their little base area where they had the food and whatnot. Um, they settled in, they pitched a tent. Apparently they, instead of going back down, they kind of anchored their tent into the side of the mountain from some of the reports I've read and they had dinner and then they were never heard from again. We know they had dinner because that is part of one of the autopsy reports mm-hmm. that all of them had eaten. Um, after that, they were supposed to come back on the, by February 12th. But Igor had told his friends that, you know, he expected it to take longer for whatever reason. Um, by the, like, I believe it was the 13th, 14th. Oh, no, by the 20th, I had the dates completely wrong on that. My apologies. The families started getting upset, and they started sending out search parties and whatnot. So they they sent a search and rescue team. Later, the military became involved, and on February 26th, the campsite was found. 
The tent was badly damaged, covered in snow, and it had been cut from the inside out. So there were nine sets of footprints leading away from the site. Some of them were barefoot. Some of them only had like one sock on. These tracks led downward about 500 meters towards a pine area, pine area, and they found the remains of a small campfire there. This is where the first two bodies were found. They were in their underwear, no shoes on. One of the pine trees had broken limbs and whatnot, and it was clear that somebody had tried to climb a tree. Whether to see, we don't know. So the first two bodies were found down in a stand of pines with the remains of the campfire, along with the broken tree limbs. Somebody had uh, tried to climb a tree. Now, in between this area and back towards the tent are where the other four bodies were found. Now, interestingly enough, a lot of the bo- these bodies were found in positions like they were crawling, like they had died crawling, trying to... They're assuming making it back towards the tent because of the way they were pointed. These these four had also died from hypothermia, it looks like. Now, the other bodies weren't found until May, I believe, once because the weather was too bad. They had to call off the search. These were the only ones they had found so far. Now, the, the, these four that they found in May were down in the bottom of a ravine. And these folks had significant physical damage. One of them had major skull damage, while two of them had caved-in chests. One of the autopsy reports, the doctor had made a note that it looked like they, the type of damage you'd see if somebody had been run over by a car. So a lot of chest trauma. Now, two of the bodies had soft tissue damage, but they were in a stream, and that very definitely could have been um, scavengers. The, the eyes and the tongues were missing. It's also interesting to note that one of those bodies that were found in the ravine, the clothes were found to have radi- be covered in radiation. Um, and that's pretty much all we know. They cut themselves out of their tent. They settled in. They had dinner. A few of them died about 500 meters from the tent in a small wooded stand. A few others died halfway in between the tent and the stand of trees, but they were pointed towards the tent, the bodies were, like they were crawling back towards where they came from. Whereas the ones who were found in the ravine were further south. Like I feel like they maybe had been trying to get back to their base camp maybe. Mm-hmm. Because the base camp would have been further south down in like a wooded area that was more protected where they had their food cached. They had all kinds of things cached on there, you know, for their trip back. So it's it's interesting to note that they, um, the Russian government in their, I believe it was the last official investigation and that was in what, 2018, they have said that it was a slab avalanche had caused it. That's the official explanation. Now, Cole, I know you got it. You found some other theories that were out there. Yeah. Um, well, interestingly enough, there are several theories that are actually covered in the book Dead Mountain that you're not really going to find. Like one thing that... Um, they discussed is the idea that they were attacked by a killer uh, grizzly or some other type of large bear. Um, and that would explain also why one of the members had tried to climb the tree. Um, right. One of the most, uh, another possibility is the um, UFO angle because there were alleged reports of lights in the sky Um around the area and over the uh the pass at that time um there's even a photograph that one of the uh, students had taken of basically a um a glowing type object that reflected um this is in the book um however some researchers feel that that probably was a, a flare and that seems more likely um if the 
Another possibility that a lot of people like to get into what was something that was added much later on and is actually part of a, um, a confirmed hoax during the time when Discovery Channel and Animal Planet were releasing those documentaries that basically were all on um, speculative evolution of cryptids and things like that, as well as the idea of carnivorous or cannibalistic cryptids. Um, they did. They released basically a uh, Discovery, specifically re in regards to this case, released a special on the idea that it was a Yeti, um, even though, and that they even had a fake photograph of a person standing in there. Which, um, the it, when you read a lot of those sources on Diatlov, this photograph is never mentioned. Um, there's one website that does include it, um, and they try to say that it's authentic. But um, they say that the story about it being a Yeti and everything else about that is a hoax and created for this show. Um, another thing that's noteworthy is um, if, if this was a hominid, even though there's no evidence to support that, it wouldn't even be a Yeti because Yeti is a collective term for a bunch of different creatures reported in India and um areas close to the Himalayas regions. And when you get into that, they also get into spiritual aspects um, too, because there's, um, depending on what type of people describe the Yeti, they describe it almost as a spirit, as something um, more than just an animal. If you get into India, they describe Yetis as actually being more akin to what we see in pop culture with the horns and things like that, even though, um, in the areas around Nepal, it's the conical shaped head type uh, variety. And even then there's differences between the geographic range. Um, but uh, basically there's nothing to support that. And even if it would, it would be um, an almas or an almasti in that area is what they would refer that to. And even when you look at geographically where they're supposed to be, it's, it's, a totally different area. So um, that whole aspect of the Atlov can easily be considered a hoax or not even something to uh, be compared to as to other theories. So, yeah, I think those were all added in way later. Oh, you know, yeah. when, it, well, it's, it was the, the discovery show. <laughs> Basically, it was it was right. in the time when they did the mermaids, the body found and uh, they did um, a Megalodon one, too, where there was evidence. Oh, for I remember Megalodon. that one. Um, and also they did a, a video with Richard Brake, who's in all those uh, Rob Zombie films. And he basically was uh, in a cannibal Holocaust type situation with Ibu Gogos. Um, so that was another one that they did. Oh, Discovery. <laughs> you and ancient aliens keep me going. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I mean, I guess it boils down to avalanche, aliens, Yeti, well, Amos, or as Buck has said, dumbasses hiking. <laughs> I, need to, I need to barge in. Why are we assuming UFOs are aliens? That's true. Uh, well, I think I, I give a nod to it because of the fireballs, the radiation, mm -hmm. um, the whole general air um, aura of government cover up. Um, the fact that, and I didn't get into this in my summary, but one of the things they did find out in later autopsy reports is that one of the hikers was not who he said he was. His DNA did not match any known living relatives. So nobody even knows who that guy is. Uh -huh. He's buried under the name that he gave, but the name that he gave is not who he was. Okay, but may maybe he was adopted. But I feel like the family members would know that. And would huh. say that. Okay, so changeling. one thing. <laughs> changeling, right there. Changeling. changeling. Ah. Ah, pissed off Faye. See, I didn't even mention the pissed off Faye yet. <laughs> ah, so, so the Faye came after their, their baby. Oh, yeah. 
Maybe. Oh, well, I could buy there, that. There are some legends. I never take anything pay off the table, my friend. There are there are some changeling legends, though, that are like that, where um, essentially the changeling will grow up and the parents won't notice, even though oftentimes they do. But in those situations where the changeling does appear almost as a, a typical person, there are the legends of them um, disappearing into the woods eventually at one point or another, and even coming back for the family. And then these families allegedly would disappear too, to be taken into the the fairy um, realms. So mm-hmm. there there are legends of that too. Um, mm-hmm. Not as predominant as you know uh, the the old switcheroo, and then you realize, oh no, this is a really ugly baby. Um, <laughs> so uh, why is it always stopping to count all the grains of sand? <laughs> <laughs> So I one, say all autistic kids are little changeling babies. <laughs> one big reason why you had me on this show is because of my Eastern European background. <laughs> it is. It, it was. It was a big. It was. And I, I know it kind of makes me sound incredibly racist, and uh-huh. I don't mean it that way. But I thought you could give us more of a perspective on how the government works. Yes. And you know, I mean. Because okay. it is a different, there is a, it's a different culture is a lot is lost in translation. I'm uh, gonna put yes, it that way. exactly. So the first thing uh, everybody clings to with this case is how they said that the cause of death of all these hikers was what, what they said, like a tremendous natural force. Mm-hmm. And that's how a it's compelling cir- natural force, compelling natural force. Yeah. So that's how it's circulated in American media. However, I went to the Russian version of the, you know, what was written down and the term they use is Prirodna Sila, which is exactly the same that we use and, and not Prirodna, uh, Elementarna Sila. So Elementarna Sila, it means elementary force. And uh, after that, they said, that they were not able to overcome. So elementary force, if like uh, translated literally in English, okay, you can say it's a natural force, but how we use it in the context of Slavic language is to refer to a meteorological phenomena. So we use elementary force as a way to talk about weather. So what was right. being written is that the cause of death is bad weather, b- bad weather that they were not able to overcome. So, you know, a snowstorm or let's say the, the winds, stuff like that, or even the avalanche, avalanche as a part of the weather there. Um, right. The winds are a real thing. Yes. Mm. Yes. Now, another thing that uh, Americans don't understand about Soviets and communism Let's say all of these uh, conspiracy theories are of like, why the heck did they cover this up? They did not do a great job of covering this up. And usually the two questions are, did they cover it up or is it just um, their own incompetence? Actually, it's both. Uh, Most of the cover-ups that we know of from the Soviets are cover-ups of their own incompetence. It's something that was happening even here in my country when we were communist. Because Mm -hmm. when you're communist, when you allow fuckuperies to happen in your country, uh, that may show your enemies that your system is not really working as intended. You need to cover (laughs) it up, not not because you're doing some top-secret program that killed kids, but rather you need to cover up that you're a a fucking shitty country that allows kids to go off in the wilderness and die. Right on, right on. I get that 100%. I would like to point out the the radiation thing you like to mention. Mm -hmm. If this was like some top secret government project that killed a bunch of kids, you would not even be reading anything about radiation. Uh, Especially the Soviets liked to keep all that, you know, very, very secret. But the thing is, if we're even talking about radiation here, and if it's even in the autopsy reports, then the Soviets actually wanted to know what happened to these kids because they didn't know. And then, you know, right. they said, okay, do a proper autopsy. Okay, I am. We're, we're finding r- traces of radiation. Okay, we're not going to be talking about that because 
uh, I think the guy whose name is Alexander, he was a student of nuclear physics and he worked in a nuclear facility. And, you know, that's kept hush-hush. So okay. that's why somebody would be irradiated. And he was actually right. the one who was irradiated because okay, well, that makes he was it, working. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes so, sense. Yeah, there's a lot of this stuff that Americans don't understand because they're not from this culture. Like, communism does not work. <laughs> Communists know that it doesn't work, and they need right. to hide away their fuckupries because it's all, it's all a, a game of how you how your enemy perceives you. You don't need to work. You just need your enemy to perceive that your system works and that you're all grand and mighty. And right. in order to establish that, you need to cover up uh, your your you know fuck upperies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that you know that makes a whole heck and heck a lot of a sense, you know. And again, like I said, we were talking about the winds before that could have caused this. Um, another theory I read about was the winds causing the um noise like the subsonic noises mm -hmm. that you don't hear mm -hmm. on a conscious level but it makes you batshit crazy mm -hmm. it will literally make you hallucinate and think things are happening that aren't that was another theory that's been popular in the last few years that the winds whipping through there was causing subsonic noises that affected their mental state and caused like psychotic breaks or mass hallucinations. I don't know how much I subscribe to that theory, but I do know that that has happened before. Um, as we know, panics are a thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, that can but, also be instigated. There are theories that let's say they were all victims of ergot poisoning because they may have eaten rye bread mm -hmm. that was, you know, Moldy. Yeah, and that will cause you to hallucinate. Yeah, sure. that's that's one or, of the. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, the, there is also the theory because the native people who live there are these nomadic tribes. I can't remember what they're called. The Mansi people. Mansi, Mansi. It's a Mansi. Yeah. Mansi, I think. So the Mansi people are a shamanic culture, and they have this tradition of eating mushrooms and not magic mushrooms but actually fly agaric mushrooms which are extremely poisonous and what oh. they do is feed their reindeer these mushrooms because their body metabolizes the poison and excretes the hallucinogens via piss and then they drink uh, actually they don't drink the piss they eat snow which reindeer peed on <laughs> and then their shamans hallucinate <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's a lot of steps to get high, my friends. <laughs> Holy shit. So, so there was this like, theory that... Light that a blunt, the, dudes. Yeah. So I, I read somewhere today, there's this theory that like the Mansi people like to dry up these mushrooms and sacks that they um, put on a tree branch, you know? So mm -hmm. maybe these uh, guys stumbled upon one of these sacks with mushrooms and ate them and hallucinated and w went crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, I just, the, the timing of the way that they died, like if you started a fire, why would you leave the fire Yeah. and crawl back towards the tent in bad weather? Like that part, like there's stuff they did that just didn't make sense. Even in the throes of hypothermia, um, you know, like I said, I've said, mentioned before, I have an aunt who is a trucker and, um, you know, I've asked her survival questions like that. And she just said some of it just didn't make sense that usually you wouldn't split up a party like that. You know, you wouldn't, you, you, you're better off trying to stay together and make a human pile to stay warm mm -hmm. and experienced truckers would know that they would know to dig into the snow and try to keep it. You know, they would know what to do, but they didn't do any of those things. They mm -hmm. acted like newbies in the snow. Yeah. But, but then I ask you, like, let's say there are nine people in a tent and you feel that there's an avalanche on coming 
are you really going to think about the safety of eight other people no. or are you going to grab a sock of a totally other person and put it on one foot and just barge out of there as soon as you can? Well, yeah, that part I get, like the clothing part. But in some of the clothing, like they scavenged it off. Mm -hmm. Clearly, some of them died very quickly because they could tell by the clothing of like, say, the people that were in the ravine that made it further. They were wearing the clothing that it you could tell they had scavenged from the people that had already died. So some died before the mm -hmm. others. And it's very possible that they could have all be, been grouped together, but as some people died much earlier, right. these who survived thought, what the fuck, we're not going to stay here. We should, I don't know, right. go to that cabin mm. over there or something. You know, there there was a town somewhere nearby. But see, and that's another thing. The people that made it further were the ones that mm -hmm. had the most physical trauma. So that physical trauma did not happen at mm -hmm. the tent. Yeah. You know, the physical trauma had to happen in the ravine or by the ravine. Maybe when they fell in the ravine, did they fall in a ravine? I don't yeah, know. that's I, I was knows. contemplating whether they maybe committed suicide by dropping themselves down a cliff or something. Yeah. Or if the weather was bad, like, I mean, I liken it to when the um, our Skyway Bridge back in the 80s went out in the middle of the rainstorm. People just drove off the bridge into the ocean. You know, you didn't know. You couldn't oh, see. Oh, yeah. So we it's lost ba a lot bad of visibility. So right. they could have run off a cliff right. without knowing. Right. It. You know, yeah. trying to get away. And especially if they were panicking at this point, which I'm sure they were, or suffering. And by that point, they had to have been suffering from hypothermia, mm -hmm. you know, especially the ones that made it further down. But what's weird is the ones that died first died from hypothermia, whereas the ones that died later died from trauma. So I don't know. That's the part that doesn't sit right in my brain because my brain needs things to be one, two, three, this happened, that happened. Mm -hmm. But, but with for nine some people, reason, it's, with nine you know, people, it's very nuanced. And, you know, it's not that all of them died at the same time. No, they, few well, people they die, for sure didn't. You know, no. If a few people die, that is a great psychological trauma and you cannot know how much, how this panicky situation uh, influence these other people yeah yeah i i mean watching somebody die is bad enough watching them die in a traumatic situation would just make your brain snap you know yeah. for sure okay cool <laughs> do you have anything on the ufos because from, from what i understand the ufo fireballs that were seen in the sky they were seen by a group that was nearby but a few days after all this um pretty much everything that i've come across is about the exact same type of events and literally just the photograph that pretty much is more than likely just a flare mm -hmm. um as for when it comes to a history of the location i wasn't able to to determine or find that there was a a history of this going on it's not like skinwalker ranch or chestnut ridge where this type of a thing is seen almost daily um it's uh so basically it's kind of difficult to tell if it even would be a traditional ufo or if it could have been um even one of the if it was seen later um after this incident um something else entirely so um that's kind of so the fireball reports were after i thought the one report i read said that it was like before, i don't know I've got it before on this one, on my one note. But again, I only went through like maybe two, three different resources on the UFO stuff. I got caught up in the autopsy reports and stuff like that because uh, in trying to plot out where the bodies were. And <laughs> yeah. well, well, reading reading the, the book, Dead Mountain, pretty much, they really pretty much cut out the UFO stuff. There's They mention it because um, there was a few people that brought it up here and there. But a lot mm. of it is more um, just the events of what happened as best as they could piece it together. Um, they, right. they even have like a timeline in the back of the book that's um, sort of gives you an idea of where they were on their journey on this day from the time that they left to the time that they they were found. Um, right. And, and basically uh, the author kind of was like, there is some anomalous stuff here, but 
if I say if I jump and say that you know it's aliens and UFOs, then I mean everything else is there too. You might as well throw like the quote is literally like you might as well throw poltergeist into the mix and he's like underground gnomes was one of the things that he threw out <laughs> like anything and everything then is in gambit and um in some ways he's not wrong because especially like we, we mentioned um or what vuk pointed out you know about linking ufos to aliens directly and there's a link to the fey there's a link to um beings from other dimensions with portals and things like that so um, if you right, want to you can't go that way, say... you can stretch it out to to fit whatever fourteen niche you wanted. Um, That's true. This is one of those cases that you can you can do some mental gymnastics with and try to make it fit any narrative that you want. Yeah. When at the end of the day, I, I'm pretty sure I believe how book does that. It was just a bunch of dumbass kids that went out hiking in really bad weather and didn't make it home. <laughs> you know, I th- I think... it's, it's a little tragic in that sense. Uh, oh yeah, I like it just because I, you know, I'm always down for a good Scooby Doo mystery. But you know, once you sit and you talk it out with people, as we've sit here and done, you you really, in my opinion, can really only come to one conclusion on it. You know, I mean, I don't know that I buy the avalanche thing just because um, I feel like if it was an avalanche, there would have been more um, more injuries to people that died sooner than I don't know. Like I said, there's things about that part of it that just tickle See, my I, brain. I, but I, that's I don't just know. me being me. See, I don't know about that, because if you hear an avalanche coming. And mm-hmm. you realize that and you feel like the ground quaking and everything like that, you're going to want to, you have some time to get out. So that would explain why the tent is cut even from the inside. You know, they felt it, they heard it, whichever you want right. to do it. They cut out to get out because they're like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. That would also explain why they, they just threw on what they could, or they went out basically buck naked. And then, um, you know, the, what what try to avoid it and that could also explain why there was when you look at the uh the photos the crumpled tent and the whole top of it basically being covered in snow um yeah now the follow-up to that of course is what's your first thoughts of sort of trying to get you're freezing you have no clothes on you want to build a fire okay mm. so you build a fire near there there's also trees okay well what is survival number one you want to get up high so that people can see you climbing a tree or um, getting into an open area or lighting a fire. Those are all um, all different ways that people are told in wilderness survival to right. um, to stay put. So they tried to, all things considered, follow some of the basic principles, but it's just a little out of, out of hint or uh, not exactly what right um and then some of the things you can't do like um they say like when you're in a situation like that that you need to wear bright clothing so that you're more noticeable um or go to or either um depending on which school of thought of thought you follow some people say oh stay stay where you are but then other people are like get if you know where there's an area that's open get to that area um right and they knew they had food and more supplies cached south of them for their trip back anyways mm-hmm. so i think that's where the other four were like heading they were trying to get more, back down more than like where their supplies were and i mean and if you're traversing um an environment where you're already covered in snow now you're not going to see like rocks and other debris and things like that so i'm right. sure that they're they had a couple tumbles or they tripped and fell on something or other and so that probably caused some damage there, which results in some of the things that were seen. Um, and because of the fact that, you know, the ones that seemingly were less clothed were the ones that died first, hypothermia would make the most sense. Um, um, I, yeah. I'm thinking, is that paradoxical undressing? And then they died of hypothermia because they were the first to not, you know, uh, realize what paradoxical undressing is or is that that the other survivors scavenged their clothes off them well i know when your body temperature hits 85 degrees um fahrenheit 
So, you know, underneath you inexplicably feel like you are burning up, mm-hmm. even though your core temp is too cold and you feel hot. It's the way the human brain works. That's actually something I read when I was looking up hypothermia. Again, I, I got caught up into the medical shit last week mm-hmm. when I was looking all of this up. And that was a fact that stuck in my brain. When your body temp hits 85 degrees, you feel like you're burning up instead of freezing. So that would explain them like ripping off clothing too. You know, the paradoxical period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my brain, my tongue's going to trip. I, I also wanted to ask... Uh, do you know, Cole, if they had a flare gun at all? Um, see, in the book, they say that they did take a picture of, you know, that they had flares. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the um, the handheld ones, you know, where you just snap off basically the top, or if it mm-hmm. was a flare gun. Because if it was a um, – I don't remember if they actually specified which type. Um, I recall reading something about flares, but I don't recall flare gun. Yeah, I'm thinking if it was a flare gun, that would explain somebody else seeing a UFO in the sky. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it, it, well, the reports I read were fireballs. Mm-hmm. I never heard, I never read like UFO or craft or anything like that. The reports I saw all said either strange lights or fireballs, mm. which could be anything. I mean, oh, yeah. let's be real. You know. Yeah. Also, I there were know. signs that the tops of the trees were burned. Now, do you think maybe they tried burning the tops of the trees to kind of grab attention? That's possible. Yeah, see. That is possible. That is possible because at that point they they want to be rescued. They they don't yeah. have any clothes. They can't make it back to the tent. We've got two people in the trees, four people going south, another couple of people crawling back towards the tent that are already gone. So whoever's left has got to be in straight up panic mode at this point, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, starting the tops of the trees on fire, and that would explain the one tree very clearly you could tell it had been climbed. It said in the one report that I read with the broken branches and the whatnot. I don't think I buy into the grizzly bear thing for sure, because there was no other wounds besides like the trauma. Mm -hmm. I don't think they mentioned, I never ran across anything that said tracks. There was a report that the first, um, the first investigators tried to pass it off on the Mansi people, which was, I guess a, a racist thing. And that was they were quickly cleared of any wrongdoing, the tribes in the area. But they did try to say that at first, that the Mansi people had killed them or whatever. That was that had been thrown around by the government, I believe, at first. And that speaks to trying to cover up the incompetence, you know, yeah, by yeah. passing the buck onto the poor indigenous peoples, you know. I would love to have found out what the Mansi people think happened up there. You know, because they live there. They know what's going on in those mountains. What happened? Yeah, but nobody would ask them because in communism, it's a strictly uh, anti-religious, anti-spirituality type of thing. So nobody would be asking the Mansi people what they believe happened because they're known shamans and they would go into shamanic stuff. Right. So they, the, the, government people wouldn't the officials wouldn't no. want to talk to them is what you're saying mm-hmm. it's so is it like an elitist thing do do the men of science think that they are better than no say, no no the it's a people? control thing it's uh basically if people uh start ta- uh, talking about religion and spirituality and whatnot they can realize that communism is not really as good as as right. it's <laughs> talked about but also i want to point out that people uh, see the lack of documentation in this case as, oh, they're covering it up because Americans are obsessed with (laughs) documentation and sensationalism and information and stuff like that. But in communist countries, you document things only as a formality, you know, most of the real information is never in documents. Um, You only document things because you need to have a formal document of something and right. so you can brush it off. Right, right, right. Yeah. Now, the the 
fact that we do have autopsy reports and that we do have autopsy reports uh, pointing out radiation and stuff like that makes me think there is no cover-up on that part. They actually wanted to know what the heck happened to these kids. Right. That actually makes sense because if it was something they were trying to cover up, they wouldn't have mentioned nothing about anything. Oh, if these kids were killed by some uh, secret government program or something, uh, we would not be talking about them at all. Uh, They they just say, oh, we never found them. That's that. That's it, yeah. There there are real conspiracies in in the former Soviet Union, but we don't know about them. (laughs) (laughs) Every... Listen, every government, you know, oh, yeah. there's, they, they don't want us to know a lot of stuff. I believe that that is for sure. So th- this is a bit off topic, but it provides context. So we sure. had in the 70s a UFO incident here in former Yugoslavia. And uh, at that time, our dictator, Josip Broz Tito, was uh, preparing to travel to Russia and then to China for very important diplomatic meetings. But at that same night, we had our airspace breached. So they sent four MiG fighter jets to intercept the UFO, and one MiG fighter jet crashed and the pilot died, allegedly. Mm -hmm. This is known as the Pan-Adria UFO incident that many people don't know about, and it happened two hours before the wow signal was caught in the U.S. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, our government said that uh, what was being seen was a weather balloon, not because they have secret alien technology that they want to hide or something. It's because they are covering up the incompetence of allowing something to to breach the airspace of a very important day in our history. A weather balloon. Oh, yeah. Swamp gas. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like my government knows what UFOs are or even cares. It's just right. you're allowing something that you don't know what it is to breach your airspace yeah. and you're a fool. Oh, yeah. And you need right. to cover that up. It's perceived as a weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know the Eastern European culture in general, especially the government, is very much about keeping face, mm-hmm. you know, keeping the strong face. I'm strong, you know, strong and cold like Russian bear. You know, that's the yes. saying here, yeah. <laughs> you know. So I do know that. And so, and that does make it make a lot of sense. And it does, you know, and unfortunately, as much as we want this to be, you know, some big secret because you know we want it to be mysterious we want it to be something paranormal or something that we can't explain unfortunately i don't think that it is and so, so i gotta do the think russians. i'm a hardline skeptic on this one this time around yeah but but so do the russians want you americans to think that they have some secret government program that is able to uh, kill nine people in a in a single strike you know Oh, yeah, that just makes them look strong and mysterious and powerful. And (laughs) And it's not just Americans appropriating the deaths of these nine individuals, but rather it's also the culture there. Like, okay, this happened. We have now dead children, nine dead Mm -hmm. children. What are we going to do with that? Maybe use it for psychological warfare. (laughs) Right. Propaganda on all fronts from all sides, you know. Anyone can take anything and use it as a weapon if they try hard enough. That is a universal law, (laughs) unfortunately. (laughs) So, so Cole, where are you at with this, bud? What you thinking, Um, my friend? I think that we're unanimous. I mean, I kind of got on this when we were discussing this. I'm like, this is not like flight 19 or the mary celeste mystery where you know you're dealing with people that totally vanish or mm-hmm. and you're wondering okay well what happened or things where you have up to a certain point communication and they just drop off the face of the earth or things that literally look untouched we have things that are right. that in this case are very much you can see a chain of events unfold it doesn't take too much of a mental leap to figure out 
that this would probably be the most likely thing, likeful thing that happened to these kids. Um, they're not, it's, it's, there's no real mystery except for if you really want to get into the possible UFOs, um, or if you want to get into the eyes and tongue thing, but if you know anything really about how animals scavenge, that's usually one of the first things that they mm-hmm. go for. So, yeah, the soft tissues are the first things to go in any kind of scavenge situation like that. So between bugs and small oh, yeah. animals, plus they were found like face down mm-hmm. in a stream, mm-hmm. so there would be all kinds of critters in there, you know. Okay, but regarding the bone fractures and stuff like that, if they were found in a stream, is it possible that they were at some point kind of taken by water or slid through, you know, rubble and stuff like that and maybe got these injuries post-mortem? Yeah. No, the the injuries were all pre-mortem. The autopsy reports did say that, Mm -hmm. that they had died from these injuries. These, the people that were found in the ravine did not die of hypothermia. All the people that were found up by the tent and by the tree and whatnot, where where they started the fire, they all died from hypothermia. The ones that were found later in May down in the ravine, they died from the trauma. From one of them had the crushed in skull. Two of them had caved in chests. The other guy had a concussion, but he didn't die from that. He died from blunt force trauma or something. Well, then my... So those four died from physical trauma. Okay. Well, my thoughts then are this. Is it possible that, you know, they fell into the river and as they went down the stream, they got pulled into currents and hit major rocks? I don't know how this river is um, topographically, but... I had um, white water raft the Yakagani River at one point, and they literally said that if you hit um, this one rock the right way, you will instantly die. It's just how um, when you're going down into the white water raft, you have to actually have it at the right angle, basically, mm-hmm. and you're getting crushed. So um, there's a couple different rocks and systems like that that I think of that I'm thinking of then, like. If these right. people are going down the river, they're basically ping-ponging off of large boulders and rocks and things like that. You're going to get some sort of damage, especially with right. – uh, but again, that's something that I'm sure that we could look into and just see how – where they were or where they probably would have been and where they ended yeah, up. How they went. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it was like a visibility thing, and they probably tumbled yeah. down into that ravine, and like you were saying – if they hit that water, but I, you know, I don't equate stream with white river <laughs> type stuff. So and all that, again, that could be something that was lost in translation though, too. You know, that's a part of the problem. When I read these, these reports, there are things and descriptors that get lost in the translation process, you know? So I don't know if it was my translation says a stream, but was it more of a river? Hmm. You know, I also, see also the, head, the I change see, like, of seasons. Yeah. The change of seasons, uh, snow is melting, all that stuff. I mm-hmm. wanted to point out that the people who had the trauma, it was all internal trauma. There are no uh, signs of trauma outside of their bodies that correlate with the internal trauma. Oh, that's true. So it's more like they were crushed or hit by something but not necessarily with a murder weapon. Well, yeah, no, I didn't mean it like that. The The blunt force trauma, like I said, it was all, like you said, it was all internal. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were beat up by a tire iron, a Yeti with a tire iron out there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, though. Yeah, because I did not mean it that way. <laughs> He's out there, I'm going to break your kneecaps, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> also, you, you'd think if, if Bigfoot killed somebody, he would be eating more than just eyes and lips. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, okay, so, and this is totally off topic, but I have been reading a lot lately about these um, cannibalistic reports from the First Nations, the indigenous tribes, and, mm. um, you know, the war they had, what do they call them, the Sekita, I think I'd have to look it up again, Um that were basically cannibalistic Bigfoot type people. 
And I've just been reading because one, I have a, quite a few friends that are um, archaeologists, and most of them, their their study, uh, their specialty is prehistoric Indians and the indigenous people. So, my one friend, while she was working on her PhD, I mean, I helped in her lab. I did so I know by osmosis a lot of this stuff already. So I I got caught up in these articles this mm. week and while I was sick about it. So the cannibal thing's been heavy on my mind because they really there was another nation of people, the first nation say that they um they actually teamed up mm. to drive them into the caves and they say that they got the the final the final um remnants of their tribe they hold up into a cave and set the mouth of the cave on fire and killed them all off are you talking about the chichuna um it may be i would have to look that because up because that actually I, I, that's a um it's a first people's uh oh, so, legend so this is this is north american though this is not yes north american prehistoric okay. indians because that story is almost universal with Oh, these, every culture these, has one. Yeah, well, with these types of well, no, specifically the um, the carnivorous or the violent attributes, and then them being held up in caves, and then them setting fire to it. The Ubu Gogo was also said to have the same thing happen to it. The Chichuna, um, then uh, obviously that when you get now apparently with this one, I'm not familiar with this one specifically because a lot of the cannibalistic giant stories like the Ganasqua um, and the stone man and things like that. Um, and then obviously later on, um, even though it's more complicated than just a Bigfoot, like with Wendigo and things like that, they all have these similar motifs of stories. Um, so, um, but Wendigo. Well, and it ties into the, um, the analyses that the analysis they've just, finished with some Neanderthal teeth. And what they have found out is the Neanderthals were mainly carnivores. We've believed for a long time that they were omnivores, that they ate everything. As it turns out, they would have ate mostly meat and that's it. So now we also know that the Neanderthals and our direct modern human ancestors did coexist mm -hmm. side by side for millennia longer than we thought that has now been proven to in this last couple of years. So here's my thought on that. They know that they interbred. Okay. Um, where would these nations of cannibalistic people be? Of course they're cannibalistic. They're pure carnivores. If they're, I, it goes in and I don't, I hate using the term missing link. I'm not going there, but it does explain where some of these tribes could have come from. They could have been offshoots of our modern human descendants in the Neanderthal interbreeding. They wouldn't have lasted. They wouldn't have been viable populations, but it would explain a lot of these different stories that are across all cultures, you know? And there's so many of them that you have to believe they existed. I 100% believe they existed. Yeah, but Neanderthals, they were not giants. They were robust people, basically. They were about the same size as early modern humans. They were not, like, giants. So unless it's something that after years of telling this story that they that the, the tribe supersized them. That's possible, though, too. Yeah. You know. But then, you know, yeah. it took, it took, you know, there was 25 guys on me, Dad, I swear, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and I, I know it's a tangent, but it's something that's been on my mind because I've been reading all of these stories from the different First Nations about the the people that they all had to band together and defeat and drive into the caves. Mm -hmm. And it ties into my whole, we drove them into the caves and that's how they travel undetected. Mm -hmm. yeah. and it's where they hold their funerary rites and why we can't find bones. And like, I have a whole theory about it, but we know this. <laughs> So should we be talking about the possibility that these survivors were infected by some kind of Wendigo psychosis? <laughs> oh. I mean, okay, but now I'm going to the article that you shared in our chat earlier, Vuk, about mm -hmm. the, um, the party in 1993. 
that yeah. they found foaming at the mouth, bleeding out the eyes. Wasn't that in the same general area? Uh, no, I think it was, uh, I can't remember now. I just it was, read it too, damn it. And I was yeah. just talking about this. I don't, I I don't think it was in it, Russia. No. I think it was somewhere in Uzbekistan or oh, some, okay. some of those countries. All right. I thought it was like in the same general area. Because I'm like, that is not hypothermia, my friends. <laughs> yeah, but we, we have so many uh, examples of this happening. There was another example in Siberia in the 70s where a group of 10 people died. Mm. Uh, we have a, a group in Sweden that died as well due to the the winds. Uh, Cole, can you go into the winds? I can't remember what they're called. Oh. Um, it starts with a K. Yeah. Catabatic. Catab- how do you Cat- pronounce Cater- it? I know how to spell it. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. The, I think it's I think it's catabatic winds catabatic and uh, they're also catabolic let, let's just call it low gravity winds because that's there that's we the go other, i like that's, that low that's, gravity that's winds. the other name for it that is the other name yeah, for it, it. it is catabatic, catabatic. is it yep okay um low gravity wind so explain to our listeners cole what a low gravity wind is and what it does do you know so basically from the gist of it is that um on certain uh sloped environments um the wind hits a certain point and it becomes incredibly strong and basically creates like a super um trying to think of how to describe it soup uh i'm better at biology than this but um (laughs) super stream super stream and basically i guess we can use super stream super gust um I like super gust. Super I like that. gust, and basically it hits the mountain and um, can create this ultimate, this gigantic effect. Yeah, um, they call it the mountain shattering winds. Yeah. So now that would make sense too. That makes more sense than an avalanche. I just feel like if it was an actual avalanche, their tent would have just been gone. Yeah, like, but th- I think know. about this. What I... if what if the avalanche started beneath their tent? What if their tent was moving and shifting alongside with the avalanche? Now, see, that makes sense to me because that would make me cut my ass out of a tent if my mm-hmm. gr- if the ground was shifting. It, it's like, like I, you, when I'd you be see me the fuck out of here. Yeah, when you see the videos of the penguins in Antarctica and then a piece of the ice sheet mm. breaks uh, away and they float. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that actually I think would panic me more than hearing the rumbling. Your your ground starts shifting. You're gonna want to get the fuck out of there because you're gonna think that you're. And they had already said that they anchored their tent into the side of the mountain. Yeah, that was mentioned in the one thing, because half the party wanted to go back down to where they had the food or back down by the trees. I think where they ended up making the fire, but Igor wanted uh, to wanted to get a quick start in the morning. So wanted to stay there because they were already off track according to whatever the diaries and logs and stuff that they found. So, so it's Titanic all over again. It is. It was an iceberg. (laughs) (laughs) It's an iceberg because somebody wanted to save time. Yes. Basically, I, you know, I mean, if you boil it down, it's like they died because Igor wanted to save time. Mm -hmm. Had they gone back down to the trees, they this we wouldn't even be here talking about this. We'd be talking about you know. Oh yeah, but why? Hannibal, why why did he want to save time? Because he was shifted off course to go west due to the bad weather, and then you yeah. know that goes into my theory that Mother Nature wants a sacrifice, so she will fuck with you and use everything at her disposal. Well, <laughs> wind we're just here, a parasite, uh, anyways. Snowstorm there, you know. <laughs> She's like, there's a couple of them little lice. Let's get them off. <laughs> yeah, and then you, you get panicked, and then there are these winds, and then you hear the whistling of Mother Nature. Yeah. Well, that goes into that sound. Because <laughs> the sound theory is a popular one, that that made them go crazy. Um, I read quite a bit about that. And, you know, I mean, I'm more... I like the avalanche under the tent theory mm-hmm. because that really makes sense to me. The cutting out and cutting out of the top of your tent. If your floor is shifting. Yeah. I like things that make sense, you know? 
But uh, going back to this idea, so you guys know the movie Final Destination. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, I always had this idea, what if there's a Final Destination movie, but it's actually Mother Nature instead of death? So, you you know, these people want to escape everything from their natural surroundings, close themselves off in buildings and whatever, but nature finds a way to get a hold of them and kill them. All right. Yeah, because you know she does. She she's got to be sick and tired of us by now. We're kind of killing her. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I think at this point we deserve what we get from her. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> but, uh, I like that theory though. But yeah. like, yeah, Mother Nature's up there going. Yeah, you guys are dumbasses. I'm just going to take uh-huh. care of you now. <laughs> <laughs> you entered my shadow and now I'm going to swallow you up. Mm-hmm. All right. So, I mean, honestly, coming into this, I kind of had a feeling this was how it was going to be. We were all going to be kind of on the same page. Yeah. And I knew that. But, again, it's something fun to talk about. And it is you know, I mean, it's cemented in my head that I never want to be a mountain climber. <laughs> I'm going to stay uh, in my comfy little house. <laughs> you know, I think the most interesting part of the Dyatlov Pass incident is not the incident itself. It's how we use it uh, as a society, mm-hmm. how we mythologize it. Like, I'm thinking now, I could make a questionnaire based on what theory do you subscribe to and use that to kind of analyze how mythology is formed and what it says about the person who is, you know, clinging to a certain idea. Mm -hmm. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And we have made it into, I mean, and at this point, are we creating a tulpa, you know, because we're (laughs) making it into a lot more than it is. I mean, how many podcasts are out there about this? And I can remember the first one I ever heard about it. And they went totally mystical with it. And this was back in the day when I didn't know anything about anything. So, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so mysterious. Oh, my God, what did that? Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. And then when I actually started researching into it because it piqued my interest, I'm like, oh. oh." But as we pointed out, there are a lot of cases of groups of eight, nine, ten people hiking and dying under yeah. mysterious circumstances. And we can form a whole mythology like uh, Missing 411 yep, yep. just off of that. this phenomenon. Yeah. yeah, Right. Just on the mountain hikers. Yeah. Our, our very own Dyatlov 411, basically. Yes. <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> you know, I mean, and I only use Dyatlov just to encompass all yeah. of it because Dyatlov is the the mythology, the mysterious mm-hmm. one, the one people want to talk about, the one people are certain oh. there's some big mystery to. But really, quite honestly, I really believe that when you break it all down, it was just a sad tragedy that probably didn't need to happen the way it happened, you know, and then was made more mysterious by government mm. cover up of their fuck uppery as you say and, <laughs> so, and you then use, I, I agree with that and then that use of, of their own uh use of their own cover up of their own fuck uppery uh, soviets really liked mind games they would fuck up something then they would cover up their uh, you know um fuck up I, I can't remember the word <laughs> ah then they would use their own cover-up to spark mythologies within the American consciousness to play mind games with Americans. Right, right. Using it as a weapon. I get that. I see that. It's a really interesting concept, and it's a really interesting take, and one that, as an American, I wouldn't normally think about. And that was part of the reason, again, not to be sound incredibly racist, but why I wanted to do this um, this case with you because there was a lot lost in translation that you did clear up. And plus I just love your perspectives on things. I'm not going to lie. You have a very (laughs) fresh perspective and take on things. And I I do truly enjoy conversating with you about this stuff. I, I, I would like to say that before we sign off, you know, I mean, this has been really enjoyable. Our chats in general have been enjoyable about all of it. I, I love your takes on things because you come at things from a very different angle than I do. Yeah. And I enjoy that. 
That's yeah, one of the I, I enjoy I not this. taking the straightforward course. <laughs> I like that though. That's I mean, if we all took the straightforward course, what a boring, boring place this universe would be, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's us oddballs that make it fun. Oh, yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Spooky Skeptics. Thank you so, so much, Book. I do hope that you will come back and we will talk about, I don't know. I'm going to think of something good. I want to get into the Fae with you. I know uh-huh. that you have a lot of really interesting theories and perspectives and thoughts and I would like to talk about that with you sometime if you don't mind coming sure, back. Sure, sure. All righty, folks. Thank you for listening and join us again for our next Spooky Skeptics. Thank you, Cole. As always, uh, yeah. a pleasure. Yep. And, you know, you, you're basically the co-host on this now. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I've done one without you at all. I think you've been here from the very beginning. I think and so, yeah. This was so much fun. Thank no you problem. so much. All right, guys, I'm going to sign off, though. Thank you, thank you. And then I guess you're going to sign off.